Okay, g'day and welcome to the first ever Redriven podcast. Now, if you are new to Redriven, we are all about reviews and advice on the best and the worst used cars. We're talking everything from performance cars to EVs to people movers to utes to full drives. And we talk about the ownership experience. We talk about whether the cars are reliable or not and what they're like to live with day to day. And we also talk about what goes wrong. And more importantly, we talk about whether or not you should actually buy one or not. 100%. Now, also, if you do already know about Redriven, don't worry. This isn't just the audio version of the video reviews we've already done. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about loads of behind the scenes stuff. We're going to be covering things that we would have loved to have spoken about in the video, but just simply don't have time to. And we're going to be answering plenty of the questions and comments that we get in the comment sections of the videos. Uh, we're also going to talk about um, the industry in general. And maybe from time to time, we'll get some special guests too. Bloody love it. Um, I, 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 I suppose we get into this. Let's do it. Why am I nervous? I don't know. We do this in front of a camera all the time. It's going to be fine. And I'm nervous about our official first ever podcast, but okay, let's let's do it. Let's start. So I suppose we really should introduce who we are. Jim, would you like to go first? Would you like me to go first? How do we? You do go it? first. Okay, I'll go first. So, um, g'day guys. My name is Adam Morris. Uh, I, I suppose, I'm the main presenter on Redriven. My history in the car world goes back to you know racing carts as a kid all the way through to just being obsessed and modifying all sorts of different cars. And then as far as this, I suppose, I'm not gonna say journal journalistic world, because I'm definitely not a qualified journalist, but have worked for a whole bunch of different digital outlets and magazines, doing everything from assisting with photography for cars all the way through to writing and going to car launches and all that sort of stuff. And my other life, my more paying job was being a touring musician for it was actually 30 years last year. Such a complex kind of guy. Yeah, right? I've never really had a real yeah, job. <laughs> Just gone from one fun job of playing drums and percussioning and DJing in different acts mm. to another not job of talking about cars for a living. So yeah, super lucky, but obsessed with cars and Redriven is now my world. Mm. Jim, who are you? I am Jim Hull. I am the owner of Quantum Mechanics, a mechanical shop in Newcastle, Australia. Um, that's my main gig, and I was never, <laughs> I never thought I'd be doing anything to do with anything on YouTube or podcasts. It's just a completely new world to me. Uh, my history is all mechanical, uh, building cars, fixing cars, everything about cars, modifying cars, and repairing cars, and just, yeah, basically keeping the cars on the road has always been my thing. How long have you been a mechanic for? 35 years. Wow. I know. That's amazing. Wow. That's a lot. But apparently, according to some comments on YouTube, you don't know what you're talking about. I rarely do. <laughs> um, I have no idea. But 35 years in the industry, you sort of pick up a bit. Yeah. And um, you also forget a lot. So it's a constant, <laughs> constant struggle to sort of learn and relearn. Yeah. And stuff changes so, so often. Constantly having to, re having to relearn shit. Yeah. I think as well, but you're, with that many years in, in, in the industry, a big advantage is the other people you've worked with. And I think mm -hmm. it's something that, that when you're watching our YouTube videos, a lot, of, a lot of people might not realize, but you've got this ability to call people that have been at Toyota for 40 years yeah. or at Audi for 30 years and mm -hmm. whatnot. So a lot of the times when we're talking about reliability stuff with cars, it might not be coming directly from your experience. That's I right. know you reach out to Oh, look, 100%. Of, yeah. I, I don't ever claim to know everything. And I always and frequently lean on other people's knowledge and experience. And, you know, I've got some really good friends in the industry that are helpful and don't mind you know, sharing that knowledge. Yeah. It's incredible the amount of people that just know so much about just transmission guys, you know, they mm. just, they go on a deep dive. They don't know anything else about the car. Yeah. Quite often they don't even know what particular model that transmission is out of. They just know that is that transmission and they know every single thing about it. Like, yeah. Those guys are just so helpful. I think that's, yeah, the big thing I think I've personally learned with what we do, because we lean so heavily on the real experts, which are these technicians and these, these guys in workshops, but also owners groups and owners. Mm -hmm. Like we're just presenting the information that we gather from yeah. all of those places. Yeah. Um, because you know, we, we get asked all the time, well, what do you think of this car or that car? And we'll honestly say, I don't know yet, because yeah, right. we actually haven't researched yeah. it. You know, and I don't want to just go spreading rumors online, because as we've found so many times, what you read online yeah. might be so far from the truth. Yeah. And I've learned it pays to not pretend that you know everything, yep. you know. I'm quite happy not knowing something and I find it's better to say, I actually don't know, but I can find out for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, just on you talking to the industry guys, so you know, somebody from Volkswagen, hmm. how, how has the response been 
from the mechanical industry and you know techs and yeah. service departments. Like, do you do you ring them and go, hey, Jim from Redriven here, or how yeah. do you, what, how, how's Look, the reaction been? I, I typically don't say that. I would typically ask, you know, on a more professional level. I say, listen, I'm researching such and such, and I'll ask, you know, what they know about it. I think, I think when you, I found when I ask, like lean in when I say we're talking about a Redriven thing, if they don't already know about it, mm. then I have to explain that, and I think that somehow affects the information you know yeah. I, I want the organic information from the person about what they know and yeah. i don't want them to feel like they need to present a video sure just just tell me what you know you know i very rarely don't mention it but i, I don't certainly don't lead in with it it's funny because i've found the opposite with um to the listeners that don't know what we do i'll join as many owners groups of a particular yeah. car as possible for we're, we're filming a toyota esteema this week which is the tarago and the previa and i've joined i think it's 11 owners groups around the world but I'll make a point of going, hey, Adam from Redriven here, here's what we do. And, and you know, please let us know what you know about the car, the yeah. good, the bad things, what you love, what you hate, and, and you know, what goes wrong. And I've found since saying we're from Redriven, now that the channel's getting some momentum, mm -hmm. quite often the comment will go, oh, yeah, you know, really dig the channel. And, and it's great because, it, because I've seen the videos, they know what to respond with. Mm -hmm. So it's almost, I've had responses where it's almost in the same format as our script yeah. or, as, or as, our, as the structure of the video. Yeah. So it's... um. The, for me, the owners groups have been absolutely. I, I, yeah, I would go as far as saying there are some cars that we just couldn't do the video without the owners groups. Yeah, no, there's some really good information there. So I found some of the owners groups information can be a little bit forum esque, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people are chiming in that don't really know, certainly not discrediting, because everyone's got an opinion on the car and a lot of people do know a lot of stuff about it, but some people base their opinion not purely on the facts. Yeah. You know. Some people might comment with, oh, all of those cars are shit, and they'll give you that information rather than actual information that's helpful to use. Yep. So that's when I'm talking to, when I'm talking to you know, people in the industry, specialists, I will say specifically, what do you know about the cylinder heads on this or what happens to the transmission? Because the overview from the general public sometimes is a bit biased. Yeah, it's funny, and we'll, we'll discuss the whole being biased towards a certain brand thing mm. later in the podcast. But I find it funny with the brands that are quite passionate brands, I won't mention names now, Go on, mention them. <laughs> okay. Tesla, Alfa Romeo, Fiat, <laughs> Abarth. Like, some of these brands, if you dare critique the car at yeah. all, well, we it, apparently we have no legitimacy to what we yeah. do um, because how dare you criticise my... What about when people say you've never owned one, you have no... No, you've no right talking about it. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's really, yeah, yeah. It's um, but like majority of owners are fantastic. Yeah. Like, there's only the occasional ones, um, and some owners like this. I always say this: the Skoda owners groups have been phenomenal. Like, they are up there with the most helpful. Just mm. they go out of their way to help us out. I don't know yeah. what it is about that brand, but they're just they're so so supportive. Have you noticed that some of the information you get from some of the owners is almost seeking some sort of um, confirmation that they've bought the right car. Oh, absolutely. Like some of the owners will, you know, start carrying on about how good the cars are, just seeking that all, you know, that approval that they yeah. bought the car. And that's the information we have to sort of filter because. Well, I think, you know, I think that, that opens up another element of the re-driven thing. And, and I suppose some of the criticism we cop off certain owners, and we've, we've said this to friends and family and whatnot, especially with a used car, you generally put a bit more research into a used car and a bit more maybe love because you might be on a tighter budget. Mm. And with a used car, like, you know, a car is the second biggest financial decision you generally make in life. Yeah. With a house, you buy the house you can afford. With a car, you generally buy the car that represents you in some way. Mm. And if you and I are there going, hey, your car's shit, it's in a weird kind of way saying you're shit, which is not the case at all. No, don't take it personally. No, don't take it personally, but some people really do because they really identify themselves by the car they drive. That's yeah. why cars can be such a big ego statement. Well, that's the whole basis of modern marketing, isn't it? Yeah. That's what they're appealing to, Yeah. how it makes you feel. So if we tell them their car shit, yeah, they really can take it personally. Exactly. Um, I suppose we should discuss, I suppose, how Redriven even started, yeah. um, for those that don't know. Um, Sam, that is behind the camera and behind the headphones he's today. He's on keys today. He's on keys. He's on. Uh, he's on the MacBook Pro. Yeah. Um, Sam and I started Redriven with you three years ago now. Wow. It yeah. started out. Sam and I used to make new car content um, for both manufacturers and uh, media outlets. But because you cannot be bought. Yeah. Well, one <laughs> the of the new car industry may not have worked out. Yeah. Well, it's like. <laughs> 
I'm I'm willing to delve into the, 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 I suppose, real industry behind the scenes stuff, but there are a lot of things that I saw in new car world that I'm like, let's say it, talk about it. I'm not going to, it's not, it's not cash for comment. It's not as blatant as that, but there are certain pressures put on some people to say nice things about a new car. You know what? It's easy to say nice things about new cars because all new cars are great. And they They want to stay in the game. They want to keep their jobs And I get that. You know, you, you run this risk in new car journalism world that if you were to say something really negative about a new car, well, you might not be invited to the next launch or the next yeah. junket. And then that puts you at a disadvantage. And it's not as blatant as, not black and, as black and white as that. It's a very, yeah. you know, a lot of shades of gray. But yeah, we did the new car thing and, and maybe it just, it just didn't fire me up as much as I thought it mm. did. And then, um, you know, Sam and I had discussed doing used reviews because it's, four to five times larger larger a market than with new cars, but no one was doing used car reviews. And it's when the car's out of warranty that the major problems happen. And I remember catching up with you multiple times and you stating that X, Y, or Z car is having some problem. And why isn't there someone out there telling people, hey, don't buy this car because this happens. Mm. And uh, I suppose, yeah, it all just sort of came together. And here we are. And and also when people buy new cars and they have that warranty, as you said, it, it can be less of a, a poor choice, you know, yep. might not break them, but there, there was really nothing out there telling people, you know, cars out of warranty when it's their hard-earned money that that car might actually be shit. Yeah, mm. and I, I remember from years ago me bringing you various Renault Megane RSs mm. that I loved because I bought into the the hype and they are beautiful to drive and I just I yeah. love that kind of car. And then I turn up to you and you're like, oh, not this piece of shit again. <laughs> and that really made me go, oh, maybe. Well, even though it's got a Nürburgring lap record and every journalist says it's fantastic and it's brilliant to drive and it sounds great. Which is all true. Which is all true. Maybe mechanically it's not as robust as I think because every time I brought it in broken with you, Mm. and even with your wonderful mate's rates, it still cost a fortune to fix. I um, suddenly started going, well, if if my Megane RS and my Peugeot and insert European fabulous car yeah. owned here. If it's not as mechanically as robust as I think, what else is bad? Yeah, so, and, exactly. and, and the re-driven thing, again, time and time proves some cars are, are all hype. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah, and some cars, that's all they have. And unfortunately, if you're buying used and you're on a budget and you go and fork out your 20 or 30 grand for that particular car and next minute you've got a $15,000 repair bill, which does happen, that is heartbreaking mm. for some people. Yeah. That, that's life-altering bills for some people. Oh. You know, more than the car is worth in a lot of cases. It's 100%. a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. And then I suppose we get into how we make the content. So one of the comments we receive on, on YouTube is like, oh, you should do this car. Or if we do a particular trim spec or year of car, oh, you should have done this one instead. Yeah. These are not new cars. So unlike a new Hyundai or a BMW where you can ring the press office and go, hey, can I please have a blue i30N sedan um, on next Tuesday? You can't do that with a used car. We, mm. we, we're getting a little bit better in that we can pick and choose a little bit, yeah, but generally so speaking, take we, get. we take the cars yeah. that we can get. We do our best to have a used car that is a good representation of the entire market. So we mm. try not to have mint conditioned cars or yeah. completely abused examples. Mm. Sometimes we don't have that choice. Mm. Right. Um, so at the moment, the majority of the cars that we feature are supplied by our wonderful viewers and supporters. Yeah. Sometimes they're cars that one of his own or their friends and family cars. Sometimes it might be a dealer network or a wholesaler, but we'll only agree to doing that car if we can still have total freedom of what we say about it. And um, we are going to hurt some people's feelings. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately. And, and I've warned people, I've, I've, there's people we've met through Redriven that have offered a car and I've said before filming, listen, mm. I, I'd love you and I love your car, but yeah. we are we're going to go to town yeah. on this. And we have to sort of say, I've said this a bunch of times, you know, there's actually nothing wrong with owning a shit car. Yeah. If you like it, that's okay. Absolutely. We had a, I had a customer in the workshop, there was a big re-driven friend and we'd worked on his car and I said something in, a, in, a, in an episode about how his car wasn't that great. And the next week he came in <laughs> for something, goes, I heard what you said about my car. There was this awkward silence. I've gone... There's nothing wrong with owning a shit car. And he goes, no, no, I'm okay about it. I'm totally fine. It was, yeah, it was, I find it was it a little bit awkward, but he, he got it. You know? I find it funny when I have mates ring up and go, hey, what do you think of this car? And I'll go, oh God, no, don't buy that. Yeah. And they still buy it. Or oh. I've had mates that have watched the video and gone, oh, I watched your video of Holden Captiva and I bought one for the missus yesterday. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, did you, sorry, wait, did you, 
did you not watch the whole thing? Or like, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, but that's that's cool. But yeah, you did absolutely. I, I am I am proof that there's nothing wrong with owning a shit car. No, I've owned exactly. a lot of shit cars. Yeah. And as a mechanic, I my choice of cars are always what is the car I'm least likely to have to fix and repair. Yeah, and that's how I go. Yeah, and it, it also comes into what floats your boat. Some yeah, people exactly. reliability isn't that big a concern. They would rather the aesthetic and the emotional attachment mm. than worrying about if it's going to get the cans mm. or not. Yeah. But look, as far as when it comes to the research, we sort of alluded to it before. It starts out by, we have a list of cars, that, our dream list that we would love to feature. And then we try to find them or, or a car comes up to, and offered, we'll book that in to the filming schedule. Mm. And then I join all the owners groups and I'll throw a message out to the larger group. But then I'll also go through and friend the admins and the top, yeah. uh, uh, not, not commenters, what are they called? Top contributors? Contributors, yes. Top contributors. And I'll email all, or message them all individually. Mm. And generally spike up a conversation yeah. with that. Um, Have you found anything on the, the, some of the owners groups will say you need to provide a photo of the car to be part of the owners group? That, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm really honest. I'll, yeah. I'll say you know when you join, sometimes it goes why you're yeah, joining. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. say. I'm making a buyer's guide video and I'm just doing research. Yeah, there's been a couple that I have, because I haven't provided a photo of the car I haven't been in. Well, I had one this week. Mm. I won't say the car. I had one this week where I've joined four times and I've been accepted. But then when I've put up, because I've got sort of a standard question, redriven question. And every time I post it to the group, my I get deleted. Like the moderators. Yeah, the moderators like, yeah. And, and like, I get it. Like, it's not spam. Like, I'm not, I'm not fishing for views. I'm just wanting information, but yeah, in that particular owners group, it's funny because there's in that particular car I've joined, I think six owners groups, mm. and the other five are fantastic, yeah. but this one won't let me comment. Yeah, they're just it's, a bit, yeah, it's a bit precious about it. Yeah, bit, yeah a couple a bit like that. Yeah, um, which makes me worry when people aren't willing to accept criticism. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole that. story. Yeah. Um, anyway, then we'll trawl through as many reliability reports as we can find and owner satisfaction yeah. surveys and there's product review sites and we'll go through all of that. I'll read through previous journos, new car, you know, mm. uh, reviews to see what how that comes up. Mm. Um, and then obviously discuss it with the actual owner of the car and what their ownership experience mm. has been like. I love some of the information I can get out of, um, out of the warranty side of dealerships. Yeah. If I'm lucky enough to get through security, yeah. if there's someone I don't know, if there's someone I know, it's fine. Or even spare parts people, they'll tell you. They'll tell me exactly, you yeah. know, this is how many of these we sell. Yeah. Really that many? Yeah, there's 147 of this part on the shelf in Melbourne because it breaks that, that often. Yeah, amazing. I love that information because yeah. it's, not, it's not biased in any way. It's, yeah. That is a fact. 100%. Yeah, I love that. I think it's, it, it, or, or getting back to, my, there's so many of my mates are car journalists and I'll read a lot of their, their previous reviews of cars. And I've called a couple of them going, hey, when you reviewed X car, what did you mean by this? And they're like, oh yeah, great car, fantastic car. But by this stage, I've already got the reports of everything that goes wrong. And I say, well, no, it's actually not a very good car. Mm. And a lot of my mates that only review new cars are blown away at how bad some of these cars can become. Yeah. Um, again, not mentioning brands, but yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating to see guys that I would regard as phenomenal journalists mm. then go, wow, after six years and 100,000 Ks, everything there breaks, like yeah. the cooling system. I mean, to breaks. their credit, they are, you know, reviewing or assessing and talking about what is in front of them, you yeah. know. And yeah, most new cars are amazing and reliable and, you know, great to drive. Yeah. So, you know, why would they care or be interested in what they're like in five or six years time? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's I guess that's what makes what we're doing so important. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I suppose if anyone else has any more questions about the behind the scenes or how Ridgeven came about or wants more detail, let us know, let us know in the comments or however you yeah. want to get in touch. Um, I think we move on to uh, some some commentary of what's been happening in the last week or month or so. So to those that don't know, we did a review of the ZB Commodore or the ZB not Commodore, as many people like to refer to it, which is the, for those not in the know, is the non-Australian Commodore. It was the one that replaced the VF Series 2. It was the one that was not assembled here in Australia. Did the video. We did a bunch of social media stuff as well. The social media stuff we did, if you haven't seen it, is sort of saying, a lot of people claim that the ZB uh, is not a worthy car in any yeah. way. Not only not only not worthy of the Commodore badge, but just a, a crap car. Yeah. Which it's not. It's actually quite a good car. Mm. Um, there are issues, but we'll cover them. But we're also saying the Commodore since day one was never truly Australian. They're That's all... what people had a problem with. You know, that yeah. was their whole number one reason for it being not a real 
Commodore. Exactly. But yeah. then if, you, if you're a true Commodore fan, you should then know your history and know that the VB all the way to the VE mm. were kind of parts bin specials. Yeah. Like, yes, they were assembled in Australia, but they were assembled out of a lot of parts made from all over the place. Mm. Yes, there are Australian parts in there as well, mm. but not technically a fully Australian car. Yes, the VE to the VF Series 2, mm. designed, engineered, manufactured here, but even then in V8 form, it uses an American yeah. LS engine. Which I would, I'm reasonably certain some of those engines were delivered to Holden Australia assembled overseas. Oh, no, they weren't. Re- I, some I of them weren't. I know some of the early ones weren't. And I know the Buick, first Buick V6s were imported as a whole engine. And some yep. of them had, some of the parts had to be taken off those Buick engines to make them suit the rear wheel drive application when they got to Australia. Yeah. So they were sending wrong stuff just because it was on the engine from the factory. Wow. Uh, I don't know about the LSs and stuff like that, or, but yeah. Well, even, so the other thing with even the, the v, v to VF Series 2, the, Brem- the, the Brembos on the SS, yeah. they're from Italy. The electrical system is predominantly Bosch, mm. probably not made in Australia, probably made in China. Yeah, 100%. I'm guaranteeing the audio system, the infotainment system is not made here. I would dare say a lot of the interior parts wouldn't be made here. Like, so at, at what point does it become not yeah, an Australian-assembled car yeah. when a lot of the components are made elsewhere? Yeah, exactly right. But yeah. even something Sam mentioned recently, for a long time, New Zealand made Commodores. Now, hypothetically, if Australia had wrapped up production the way we did, but production went offshore to New Zealand and we brought the New Zealand Commodores in, would the Commodore fans be as up in arms? Because if, if the V, if the ZB is assembled internationally and therefore yeah. not a true Commodore, yeah. if it's assembled in New Zealand, just I don't think you can corner, use that as a case scenario because a lot of people consider New Zealand as a state of Australia anyway. Mm. <laughs> like our little sibling over the, over there. We might have let that one through security because uh, New Zealand's close enough, right? Yeah, which the is... flag's really... not the same. Which is <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, the other thing that blew me away about the ZB chat, I feel a lot of people have this attitude of if you, if, if you say nice things about the ZB, that instantly yeah. equates to criticizing anything that isn't a ZB. Yeah. We said we, we have a VF Series 2 SS video where we rave about that car. We it love is a good the VF car. Series 2. It's, it's a great fantastic. car. Yeah. Yeah. Every Commodore has been pretty good in one way or another. Mm. Just because we're saying the ZB is really good doesn't mean that the other ones are bad. Yeah. The ZB is by far the best driving of all the six cylinder Commodores and all the normal Commodores. Mm. And even when the fans are like, oh, well, the ZB sucks because no V8 was offered, mm. the fans seem to forget that of the VF Series 2, V8 sales made up for only 30%. The majority mm. of VF Series 2 and VF sales were six cylinders. Yeah, right. The ZB is a better six-cylinder Commodore than mm. the VF it's, and VF yeah, Series 2. Exactly right. It's better, a better car. Better, yeah. It had more money behind it. It's an international car. And that, I think that's where Holden failed when they released that car and We've talked about this before. If they'd released it not as a Commodore, it probably would have been more successful. Absolutely. And um, if they'd been honest about it and say, yeah, we know it's not a Commodore, but it's this. And one better, if they'd done what Toyota is doing with the new 79 series, actually allowing people to compare it to the old 79 series and say, yeah, it's not a Commodore, it's this. Yeah. But it actually, look, it's faster than that. It's absolutely. It's smoother, it's quieter, it uses less fuel. Yeah. It looks better. It would have been so interesting to see if they'd had VF Series 2 six-cylinder Commodore on sale for three months with the ZB Commodore on sale for three months and and publicly promote all the differences. Like yeah. have NVH tests, yeah, yeah, yeah. have um, ride and handling tests, yeah. have acceleration tests, have fuel yeah. economy tests. Yeah. Just to go, here's the facts, guys. Here are the lap times, like, You can still buy. If you want yeah. to buy the, the, the Aussie one off us, mm. go for it. Yeah. But here's the mm. German one. And, and naming it, too. Yeah, the naming was wrong. They should never of, have called it a comment. Yeah, they're setting themselves up to fail. Yeah. And I think I think that's what tarnished Holden as a brand. Mm. Oh, one other thing I need to say as well. A lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, because Holden took the Aussie cars away, that's why the industry collapsed. Mm. No, the, the, no one was buying Commodores it's in the numbers that was required. Exactly right. They're not a charity. They're a business. They it's need big to business. make money. They're, yeah. they're out to make money. Well, that's, you know, you hear this. Car manufacturers are not there to make cars for the people. They're to make money for their shareholders. Exactly. And by the way, they just make cars. Exactly yeah, right. They don't, they don't really care. They don't care. And yeah. Australia, what are, what, like, I would love to know what percentage of sales we are to General Motors mm. every year. Yeah. If it's more than 5%, mm. I would be amazed. Yeah. I know, I know in music, when I was doing music full time, 
I can't say the brand, but there was a particular brand and I knew that Australia's sales made up for 0.06% yeah. of their annual global sales. And also it was the right-hand drive sector as well. Yeah. That was a, a huge factor there. And globally, in yeah. globally made cars, in a lot of markets, the right-hand drive variant of that car, if it wasn't profitable, they scrapped it. Yeah. And that's the, I think the Commodore was part of that too. Yeah. It is a, it's a real shame, obviously, it's a how long is a piece of string conversation of what the parts accessibility is going to be like moving forward. I know Holden is supposed to have 10 years worth of support, but who's enforcing that? You yeah. know, um, and you, know, you can get parts online and from Germany and whatnot, but it's a massive stuff around. But then again, the prices that those cars are going for, yeah. they are so cheap. Mm. Like, what's, what was the cheapest one we found? 14, oh, 14 two? Something like that, yeah. That is so much car There's a lot of car for that money too. That's incredible. Yeah, but try buying a taillight for it. Yeah, good point. Mm. Very good point. Um, I suppose the flip side of the conversation, the other big talking point of this month was the AU Falcon, which is <laughs> as Australian as it gets. Ah, 100%. I didn't want to like that car. I'm not that kind of guy. What's well, not to like, though? I know. I, 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 I saw the light. Stunning looks. I saw the AU Incredible light. driving dynamics. I remember. Just I what a car. I spoke to a couple of mates about it saying, you know, what, you know, what are you shooting this week? I'm like, oh, doing AU Falcon. And a couple of mates were like, what a piece of shit. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then rang them the week after going, I loved it. I loved <laughs> it. That car is so good. Like, I, I wouldn't buy a land yacht personally. Yeah. But there's something special about that car. It's, it's funny how it, it was just hated when new. Mm. And it's, it's Actually, can I make a, a public apology regarding the AU? I, I said in one of the things that goes wrong with that was their tar shaft centre bearings. Well, the tar shaft centre bearings didn't exist until the BA Falcon. Oh, really? No, I guess when you've been underneath a thousand Falcons, sometimes yeah. they they melt and they merge into one. They blur it yeah, they, they had a one-piece tar shaft. So, yeah, wow. oops. Wow. Sorry, viewers. <laughs> um, yeah, I, don't worry. They took care of me in the comments. I don't know if you. Oh, saw did that? Okay, yeah, yeah, cool. They, yeah. they That's not like that. No, 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 I felt. Amazing. Thanks for thanks for the feedback. Amazing. <laughs> Although the AU is as, as, as Australian as it gets, <laughs> Ford aren't exactly as Australian as no, it gets. Really. It's uh, yeah. I, I do love. I, I love so much about so much about Australia, and I always love the contradictions that we yeah, right. allow ourselves when it's uh, you believe what you want to believe exactly right. You know, it's all part of the fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one thing again, something that Sam raised when we were filming. Sorry to get back to the ZB thing. I find it interesting that you'll have, let's say, hyper, not hypothetically, for example, Audi Q5, Audi SQ5. Mm. Um, people are like, oh yeah, I'm buying this because it's German, and it's like, well, it's made in mm. Mexico. Yeah. So, but it's not, it's not okay for a Commodore to be made in yeah, Germany. No, not at all. Yeah, but it's okay for your Q5 to be made in Mexico. Exactly. And just one other thing on the ZB. I had forgotten that the, the, the V8s had the ZB body shell for a while. Yeah, that's a funny yeah, one, isn't it? Yeah, like what a weird thing. Oh, yeah. You know, well, that then, there's a sign of things to come. That then opens up the conversation about supercars. Yeah, and what's under the skin, right? You know, we, Surely everybody now knows that they're the same thing it's under the, the skin now, right? Yeah. Everybody knows that, don't they? They're the I, same, the engines are brand specific, yeah. but they're designed to have the same power and torque, yeah, yeah. same, same gearbox, the same, same chassis. Yeah, the same yeah. aero, yeah. or very, you know, they're tested to, to, to replicate the same drag and downforce, but yeah, everybody knows that, right? No one really believes it's th Ford th versus Holden. I think anymore. it's like reality TV. I, th I think people know that maths and all those reality shows are completely fabricated. Like there's nothing real about them, right? Yeah. But they still lean into it I think was it's just again they believe what they want to. Believe. They believe what they want to believe. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Sim and I were saying the other day how. Well, so I, I I got recommended a Instagram page and it's all eighties and early nineties touring car footage. Oh yeah. And it is phenomenal. Skylines versus Sierras versus Commodores versus E thirty M threes versus yeah. like oh, and I'm, I said to Sam, that's what we need to bring touring car touring cars back to yeah. get rid of the supercar thing yeah, yeah. which is a cost of fortune yeah. eradicate that and just have a power to weight ratio mm -hmm. and you can have whatever you want you can have an ev you can have yeah. a hybrid you can mm -hmm. have a v8 a v12 real yeah. drive all drive i think going as power to weight yeah is that what tcr is trying to do though yeah but even the tcrs are that i've, I've sat in one and yeah. it, it's not it's no, not, a, not it, a it's not modified a car. family car no it, it might be on a family car chassis and yeah. running a similar engine but I think it needs to go back to proper touring yeah, car racing. Like, like production. Yeah, like cars, almost yeah. GTP back yeah, in the day. Yeah. Um, and modified to a certain degree, mm. but some kind of power to weight ratio yeah. thing. Because yeah. I, think, I think 
if you reduce what it costs to have a team, so rather than spending $600,000 on a race car, mm. you go, oh, well, we're going to use a $50,000 BRZ yeah. and spend hundred grand on safety. Can you imagine and- the parody nightmare, though, trying to get them all to yeah. be fair? I can see why they don't have it, because there'd always be one car that fundamentally is a better car to go racing yeah. in, you know, regardless of how much money you throw at it. I can see why they do it. Yeah, I just, I just, I I have absolute respect for all those drivers Mm. in supercars. Mm. They are world class, and the actual racing is really good. And and the cars are an engineering masterpiece. Oh, that's incredible! Incredible I've just found them just, and I think a lot of people are doing the same way. We're just maybe not as invested anymore because it's. Sam again said it. It's the uncanny valley. So Mm. with Formula One, clearly that's got nothing to do with a road car. Yeah. But then a supercar is trying to look like a road car, mm. but clearly isn't. Mm. So it's in this horrible area where it's like, well, what's the point? How do NASCAR deal with that? Because they have a yeah. lot of different manufacturers and they yeah, have this, but this silhouette rule. I don't really know nothing about NASCAR. Sorry yeah. for those listening who do it, calling me an idiot. But they have a lot of different brands and they seem to get around it. Do it, people I, just I, believe? No, I think NASCAR from a very early point on has been, you know, the same engine, same chassis, same everything. The rules have been super strict. Mm. Um, and they all have the same kind of aero. Yeah. I think because it was fundamentally that from, I don't, I don't know when, again, I'm not a NASCAR guy, mm. I don't know when this started, but let's say the mid 70s. Mm. Whereas Australia, we've gone through the GTR period and we've gone through the super tourism, we've been through the V8. So I feel, yeah, I, I, I think, and we're a very different audience to NASCAR. Like that's a very <laughs> different bunch of people. Yeah. So it's- um, Should stop there. I should stop there, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> um, okay, so, for episode one, we're going to do, we, we threw out to Instagram and all of our socials, has anyone got any questions for us? We're going to answer some of these questions. Mm-hmm. We, like, we just simply, unfortunately, don't have time to answer all of them. We were blown away at the response, like inundated with questions. Okay, so first question, I'd welcome your thoughts on the announcement that all new cars sold from 2025 must have black box recorders built in. Jim, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw this. Um, I actually think it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I'm a, I'm a big fan of people being accountable for their actions. 100%. Um, you know, that's why I like dash cams. I think you, you really have to own your mistakes. That's mm-hmm. my, one of my life sort of philosophies, really. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a better option because there's some talk in some manufacturers and some governments wanting to limit the top speed of cars and bring all these restrictions. I mean, the automotive industry is restricted enough in so many ways. Yeah. I think this is making people accountable for their actions rather than manufacturers having to say, well, the car's not going to do over 100 and whatever kilometres an hour, I th- you know, and restricting the car. I think this, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. And yeah. also, I think a lot of people are falling into the trap of thinking it's some kind of big brother where they can, they can, um, you know, spy on your car yeah. in real time. That's not the case. Yeah. It, it is constantly recording, mm-hmm. but it, what, what's the, it's the last three seconds or five seconds and maybe half a second, 0.3 of a second after the incident. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. can't spy on you in real time. They can't restrict your car or, or go, this guy's currently doing something bad, quick, go and nab him. It's only if there's an, an incident yeah. or yeah. an impact. It that... could get you out of trouble exactly. as well. It could yeah, save yeah. your ass, you know. Yeah. This is, proves what you were doing is, you know. I worry that a lot of the people that are criticising it are the same sort of people that get angry at the cops when they get done for speeding. If you're doing something wrong, Mm. you should... I've I've been done for speeding. I'm the first to put my hand up and go, yeah, Mm. Yeah. I was speeding. I took the risk and unfortunately it didn't pay off. So that falls under the, you know, being accountable for for what you're doing. I get really annoyed. I've had mates go, yeah, got done for speeding, cops, stupid cops. I'm like, no, no, no. Were you speeding? Yeah. I'm like, you knew you were speeding? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's not the cops' fault. They're just doing their job. Yeah, I mean, that is true. I mean, there's some argument about, you know, revenue and... Oh, 100%. <laughs> that's a whole different, you yeah. know, discussion. But I, I agree. I think uh, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, my yeah, I, yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I think if it means that we can still have Hyundai N models with N mode yeah. uh, and have Sport Plus in a Porsche mm. and not be yeah. restricted by those things... Yeah. Although I did read something in the media about the black boxes recording if you had your stability control switched off or not, and that yeah. could affect, you know, the, the situation you're in. I think that's... That's going to be a hard, hard piece of evidence to bring to any court. Yeah, that. there but is a bit of a rule in, in press cars. If you're on a public road, you don't turn. Yeah. Well, I, personally, I would never turn yeah. stability off yeah. or any any safety nanny off yeah. on a public road yeah. in a press car. They're going to be arguing about this black box and, and what it records and for how long and yeah. all the details. They're going to be arguing about this for two years before anything happens. Yeah, it's, good it's point. going to be interesting to see it unfold actually good point mm. next question what's the most reliable european car under fifty thousand mm. dollars i think yeah 
I'm going to get that one first. Yeah, you go first. I think any reliable car under 50k, European or not, is um, the newest with the least Ks on it and with the best servicing. I don't think I could name a particular brand mm. that is better than another, really, because yep. there's so many similarities between all of them, really. 100%. You know, Volkswagen, Skoda, Audi, same cars, you know. So yep. to recommend any one of those, you know, Mini, BMW, so many underpinnings that are the same. I think it all comes down to the mileage and the previous owner and... Yeah. Yeah. I think as well, just buy buy it with some factory warranty left on it and mm. sell it before that warranty. Why is someone asking what's the best European car to buy under 50k? I mean, what? Is, what? Yeah, I think this is, is something that just a branding right? yeah. snob thing. No, but Sorry, think, whoever wrote that. I'm just curious as to why it has to be specifically a European car. No, because I think it. I think it because you and I do this for a living. I think we're a bit jaded by the industry, so I I almost don't see brands like I like. Supercars do bugger all for me, and and I don't I don't see like a Range Rover is like oh my gosh a Range Rover, right? I, I you know I just I don't have that, and yeah. I know you're the same as you work on them, but yeah. I think for people that don't work in the car industry, mm. who who see a Range Rover on a film clip or on a movie, mm. and it's it's you know marketed even in a show as like this aspirational thing, they're like oh yeah I'd love a Range Rover one mm. day, um, so I kind of get why they 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 want that European thing because it is saying something about who they are and how hard they've worked and their success levels yeah. and they can afford this particular car. Yeah. Um, I could answer by saying the most reliable European car under fifty grand is a Kluger. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or a Corolla um, or something. Well, yeah, i thirty N is made in mm. I think in Czech Republic. There you go. There you go. So I'd got yeah, a Hyundai i thirty N would probably Perfect. be my pick. If I had to yeah. pick a European car under fifty grand, I'd buy a yeah. Hyundai i thirty N. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this kind of extends from that. Any good Volkswagens that you'd recommend? I, I love the early Beetles. I love yeah. the, the Type 3. My yeah. best mate Dion has a Type 3 Fastback. Mm. Like Mark a... 1 Golf GTI? Yeah, what a car. <laughs> what a car. Beautiful headlight. Just yeah. Like, yeah. Now, in all seriousness, any good VMWs you'd recommend? Look, then, then the newer, if you're going petrol powered, the newer the better, because I feel like Volkswagen emphasising petrol power. Petrol power, yeah, definitely. I better. feel like Volkswagen really have. Well, we just did Skoda Kodiak mm. video, mm. and both surprised that it, it, it's not as much of a reliability nightmare as the earlier Tiguan, which it's based yeah. on. Yeah. The the Mark Seven Point Five mm. Mark Seven Point <laughs> Five Golf yeah. R Golf GTI. Yeah. That engine is noticeably more reliable yeah. than the Mark Five, yeah. which is this, technically the same EA Triple Eight engine, hmm. but a lot has been worked yeah. on. So, yeah. yeah, there are plenty of good Volkswagens. Again, it comes down to what you just said, Jim. Yeah. Go the most recent, lowest kilometer with the yeah. most bulletproof yeah. service history. That's it. And petrol. Yeah, and petrol, <laughs> not diesel. When you find a good used car with some faults that aren't deal breakers, what are your negotiating tips? Does the seller know those faults exist or are you surprising them with your pre-purchase inspection information? Yeah, I think pre-purchase inspection will, will always bring something up mm -hmm. and they'll give you some negotiating. I think it's a how long is a piece of string mm -hmm. question because it also comes down to the sort of car. So if you're buying some incredibly rare thing, um, or even some slightly rare car, well then the power is probably in the seller's hands yeah. because he there's you know there might only be three of that particular car. Yeah. But if you're looking at I don't know a base model three series, mm. well there's probably stacks of them on the market. One of my mates is looking for a Suzuki Swift at the moment. He's looking about eight to nine thousand dollar budget. He's made offers on three different cars, and none of them have accepted his offer. Wow! Because he's you know negotiating on problems that aren't there and they these owners know as like you're saying that yeah. these owners know they're going to sell it to the next guy anyway yeah, 100%. there's nothing wrong with these cars so yeah. there's not really anything to negotiate on yeah but you have to each problem is it repairable is it something you can live with is it aesthetic is it mechanical you know? yeah yeah how do you negotiate on that and what sort of prices are you expecting to come off the purchase price yeah i think the best tip we've got for that person is go watch our ultimate used car buyer's guide because yeah. we cover a lot of that in there yeah. Um, and be realistic, you know, yeah. just make an offer and then if it's accepted, great. If yeah. not, you yeah. can haggle, I don't know. It's and and you'll, you'll have car guys and car dealerships and car salesmen go, oh, just, just throw them some stupid offer because you never know. I think you have a bit more respect for somebody yeah. than that. Like, yeah. don't go 10 grand under what they're asking. Like, I think, be respectful, yeah. don't be a dick. Like, don't lowball me, mate, I know what yeah, I got. Lowballers and assholes. How many more years until manual cars or the art of driving manual cars no longer exists? I think, we, I think we've got manuals for a while. If you look at the GT3 sales, majority of manual, mm. MX-5, 
BRZ slash GR86, majority of manuals. So I think certain cars, the manual is here to stay to the point that Lexus have developed manual transmissions for electric cars. It's yeah. not actually a transmission. It's just like a fun thing to yeah, do, yeah. which I actually, I'm personally all about that. I think anything that makes people enjoy driving more, mm. I think that's a, yeah. a positive thing. There's a bit of a, it's not as shameful now to, to not know how to drive a manual. Like, no. you know, 10 years ago, you might have ridiculed, ridiculed for it, but mm. you know, my eldest daughter can't drive a manual and mm. I don't feel like less of a parent because of it. No. just life yeah yeah you know? and i think like again something sam mentioned earlier yeah formula one cars don't have yeah. manual transmissions and yeah. no one's criticizing those guys yeah. also i think with depending on the car and i'm going to get torn to shreds about what i'm about to say bmws i've driven like say m140i i drove back to back manual versus auto yeah. and i would buy the auto yeah. the manual in that car feels like it was an afterthought like mm -hmm. the bmw execs went Oh, that's right. Yeah, ultimate driver's machine. We better put a manual in. What's yeah. what's 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 out the back? Yeah. Throw that piece of shit yeah. in there. Yeah. That'll be the manual because mm. it just doesn't feel resolved. Yeah. Whereas the auto ZF Auto, I'm pretty sure could be wrong, mm. but that auto yeah. that suits that car perfectly. Yeah, so I, I as as a hardcore driving fanatic, I would buy the auto M140i yeah. over the manual. I agree. And interestingly, they've just bought out the new GI Yaris, which has got an automatic, not a DSG. It's an automatic. Yeah. And uh, all reports are that it is quicker than the old manual. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's the same speed as the new facelifted GR, but it's quicker yep. than the old uh, GI Yaris. Yep. Uh, and I jokingly said at the time when I bought my GI Yaris, too bad I didn't have a DSG because I probably would have preferred that. Yeah, it's amazing. But as it? a driving a car on a track to yep. get quicker lap times, mm -hmm. these days, typically a gearbox can do it better than the not person only, driving it. Not only that, with tyre technology and sus suspension technology, I've just spent like a, a, a week with the yet to come out i30N sedan, which mm. is a, in a, is a auto only, not a manual. Yeah. And have had a great week of having some fun with this car. Mm. And at no point did I think, God, I wish this was a manual. Yeah. Because when you're actually having a proper go, it is, it is a quick mm. car. I'm yeah. not saying, like, I didn't break the rules, obviously, because yeah. I need my license. But through some super windy country mountain road, mm. It's got that much grip and it's got that much braking power and that much mid-corner adhesion. Yeah. I, I kind of like that I don't have to also think about changing yeah, gears. Exactly. It's just via the, the car's going to do it better than you can anyway. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a leftover belief from back in the day when an auto was two or three speeds and a manual was actually legitimately better than an automatic. I think yeah. this is a long hill belief that really doesn't stand up anymore. Yeah. I think autos can do it better. You know what it is? This is what it is. If you want an auto or a manual, it's like how much hot sauce you want on food. Don't put someone down for not being able to handle their hot sauce. Mm. Maybe they just didn't grow up with it with hot sauce in their life. Maybe, yeah. Respect people for whatever mm. decision mm. they want to make. Mm. If they prefer the auto because they spend 99% of their time in Sydney traffic and don't yeah. want to have to you know, break their leg for the first hour of the day and the last hour of the day, exactly. let them have their auto. For, yeah. And on occasional, uh, you know, the occasional Sunday drive, mm. Okay, it's an auto, manual would be nice, but so. Mm. Um, and if you go to the other end, other end of the extremes, is it quicker on track? And if you're a real performance car enthusiast, mm. it's all about lap times, right? And whoever comes first is the winner. Yeah. And if automatic car is, or a DSG car is quicker on track than a manual, then how can you say a manual is better? Yeah, and I, I would much rather a really well, if I had, again, BMW M140i, choosing between a really well sorted auto or an afterthought manual, give me the auto. Yeah. Because there's nothing more frustrating mm. than a dodgy manual yeah. transmission. Yeah. yeah. So here's another one. Okay. Are we looking at EV or full electric cars? Is it too soon to obtain any reliability insights? Mm. Well, we've, we've done a bunch of EV reviews. Yeah. We've done Tesla Model 3, Tesla Model S. We've mm. done the Nissan Note. Mm. Um, so yeah, we've done a bunch of EV stuff already. And reliability insights, well, yeah, there are already a bunch of issues with mm. EVs and yeah. longevity. We, we are going to be delving deep into the EV world, possibly with a special guest. And there are some issues. Oh yeah. There are some like-, like But like every car, they have issues. You know, yeah. there's all sorts of media about, you know, the batteries spontaneously combusting and, yeah. you know, engines failing, but statistically it's probably on par, if not better than current vehicle reliability, I, yeah. I would probably say, but long-term it is probably going to be more about resale than reliability. Well, that's my issue with EVs, mm. is that with EV technology moving so fast, 
you're running the risk that any EV you buy right now is going to be worth absolutely nothing in three to five years. It's going to be like buying an old phone or an old laptop because yeah. the technology is going to be superseded. So what about in 10 years' time when they invent, invent this new battery, that you know the, this unicorn battery that they're talking about is 10 times better than what we're using now? Hypothetically, they bring that battery yeah. out in EVs. That then makes every current EV totally worthless, like less absolutely. than worthless. Absolutely. You know, in, in that regard, it's hard to say what the future holds. But mm. but even in the US at the moment, because obviously their uptake of EVs is so much higher than here, EVs that are no longer fit for use, they're just rotting yeah. away. Yeah. Like, and, like, and you're right, if all of a sudden there's new technology and everyone's embracing new technology and all these old cars go out to pasture, mm. that's terrible for the environment. Yeah. Like all this wastage, mm. that's shockingly bad. Oh, yeah, look, in terms of... The overall EV as a discussion topic, that's that's huge. But in terms of reliability, probably a bit hard to tell. But God, yeah. there's, a, there's a wormhole of issues oh, yeah. with, with EV vehicles that people are just ignoring. Yeah, because they're believing the hype. Yeah. We, we are going to be delving deeper into the EV conversation. We're working, we're researching it at the moment, and we're working with other people on it. So there is, watch this space. There's yeah. more EV stuff coming. Mm. Uh, next question. Uh, is my GC8 WRX my forever car? That was the plan for it. But I think I'm going to be selling it. Mm. I think it's going to be for sale soon. I'll make an announcement on Insta and whatnot soon. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to go. I, 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 it is going. It is No, it is going. It is going. <laughs> I am selling it. I don't want to sell it, but I've got to the point where it's worth more than what I paid for it by quite a lot. It's absolutely mint condition. Mm. I, but every time I drive it, which is very, very rarely, I'm so stressed about it getting a scratch or yeah. a dent, and it's it, like it's just absolutely perfect. Yeah. So I don't actually enjoy driving it anymore. No. I just stress and I'm filled with anxiety. So I'm going to sell it and I'm going to buy, I don't know yet. Something. Something. It's going to be performancey. It's probably going to be a hatch. And if I know you, Adam, you will decide on what you're going to buy and then you'll change your mind seven times and then you'll do a yeah. backflip and then you'll buy something else and love it for six months and then hate it and then yeah. sell it and go around and around. Exactly. <laughs> Depends what time of day you're asking yeah. me what I'm going to buy. Yeah, I get it. Okay. How cheap can you find a functioning car? Need to find a cheap runabout for a pea platter in the family. The goal is $3,000. I'm thinking, he, this person, he, she, um, they said Mazda 2 or 3, Suzuki Swift, is this doable? I think they're on the right path. I think Swift, 100%. I think Yaris, yeah. older Corolla. I think with that, with that sort of, those type of guidelines, sacrifice aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Get something with lower Ks and hail damage. Yeah. Or that's had a hit yeah. and got a big dent in it because that doesn't affect mechanically or reliability, no. right? No. Provided it's not going to affect, you know, the roadworthiness of the vehicle. I reckon get something that's damaged. Think, yeah, and yeah. I think with this, the storms we've had of late, there like there are insurance cases now going yeah. through where you can go to the auctions and you can pick up a heavily hail damaged Mazda three. Yeah, 100%. pretty cheap. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong. Yeah, totally. And, and and even then. Just save up over time and get a panel fixed now and again. You know, yeah. go to Wreckers, buy a new bonnet. Yeah. I got a, I had a Honda CR, CR, yeah, CRV until recently. Great car. Um, video coming soon. Uh, and the, the clear coat on the bonnet had, had turned to crap. I got a quote from a Wreckers for a whole new bonnet. Same color, 150 bucks. Yeah. Like $150 exactly. for a whole bonnet. I know, right? Brilliant. Double the value of the car. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Swift, Mazda 2, Mazda 3, Toyota Yaris, Toyota Corolla. Yeah, they're all good. They're all good. Uh, hey, Jim, another question. Do start-stop systems have an adverse effect on engines or batteries? <laughs> um, no, not, not, that, not that you should worry about. Okay. I mean, every battery in every car, you're lucky to get three to five years out of a battery in any car. Some yep. brand new cars with factory batteries last a bit longer than sort of aftermarket batteries, but they're also twice the price. But overall, it's the same. You know, yeah, the, 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 the starter motors are designed to work a little bit harder, yeah. and they do. And I wouldn't say the frequency of changing starter motors or batteries in any car with a start-stop feature has, I don't think there's been a noticeable upshift in repairs in that area. Okay. Um, people, people worry about it. I think the conversation's just a waste of time, really, because they're built for it, and yep. there's going to be a lot of other things that break on the car you know, yep. aside from that. Okay. So the short answer is no, not, oh. worth, not worth worrying about. Yep, cool. But annoying, annoying feature to have. Oh, really annoying. I hate I, it. Again, here's a ZB, Com ZB Commodore. Um, what was the word I'm looking for? ZB Commodore, not complete. What's the opposite of a complete? What's the opposite of a complete? Compliment? Compliment. Hmm. Um, 
I hate to bring it up again, but here's another ZB mm. Commodore compliment. Mm. The start stops start stop system in the four cylinder mm. is probably the most seamless I've ever experienced in any well, car. At the other end of the spectrum, I drove a 40, uh, like an almost new X5 last week yep. uh, in for servicing. Probably one of the most annoying start-stop functions. Yeah. In fact, I it nearly created an incident. I was at a four-way stop sign, and there was this hesitation: who was going to stop-start first? You know, the other car or me? Yep. And I stopped for a split second. And then it became obvious that I was the person that was going to go. Yep. So by the time it, I had my foot back on the accelerator, it had decided that it was going to stop, oh, no. and then it was restarting itself. And all this only took maybe a second. But in that time, the other yeah. person thought, "Oh." I'm stopping and they're going to go. And then we both actually yeah. went simultaneously because the BMW is going, well, I don't what know I what do. the fuck you want to do. I, I wonder, does it really save that much fuel? No, no. It can't. It's ridiculous. Yeah, like with modern engines. They I, run, I, I they think the a... amount of irritation that it causes with drivers yeah. and the, the tiny amount of fuel savings, that's, that's arguable, any arguable. People have sort of said this is not a thing. It is possibly better for local emissions. Like if you're yeah. stopped at a pedestrian crossing and there's children passing, yeah, yeah. you know, it's better to have not those exhaust gases there at that time. But it, that that's a good thing. But yeah. in but their whole argument isn't about that. It's about because then they have to admit they're you know pumping out poisonous fumes. The whole argument is about fuel saving, which is negligible. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's probably just a box that they need to tick, but yeah. the car has to have it. It's like bloody safety features in cars now. We've had this argument a few times where, or this discussion where we feel that the ANCAP safety rating, you should have, the, the stars should be only on how it handles an actual impact. Yeah. You shouldn't be degraded stars because you don't have a whole bunch of active safety gear. What it should be, it should be five star, like five star plus. Mm -hmm. If you don't get the plus, it means that you don't have all the active safety yeah. stuff. Now my argument, and again, we're gonna get into this topic in a future episode. My issue with the, the current safety stuff, as I get to drive some new cars, I one recently, the beeps and bongs and lights and flashes are so distracting. Mm. I wasn't looking at the road. I was just going, what is going on? Yeah. Then uh, we did a Corolla hybrid recently and David, the guy that owns it, is a mate of mine. And I said, I'm like, how do you handle these beeps and bongs and everything? He goes, oh, I just ignore them. Mm. I'm like, well, that defeats the purpose yeah, of beeps and bongs and alerts if you get so used to them yeah. happening that you totally ignore them. You block them out. I, and also the startup procedure. Like I know the car companies have to have them because of ANCAP, which mm. is it's ridiculous. But certain cars I'll get in and it's like starting a, a fighter jet, you know, start the car, yeah. confirm that. Menu, mm. sub-menu, safety, yeah. turn that off, turn that off, turn, it's mm. just, and then you have to do that every time you start yeah. the car. It's ridiculous. Another thing I've also thought that was pretty funny is every time the stability control is doing something to the car, it flashes an orange light on the dash at you. Yeah. Like as if you haven't got enough to worry about when your stability control is working to say, well, I saw an orange light, what the hell was that? Exactly. Like it's a, yeah, it's ridiculous. Who designed that? It's ridiculous. Next question. The cars you'd most like to test or get your hands on but haven't yet, the elusive unicorns. Mm. Okay, I need to explain something. The cars that we thought would get big views, and like this is a business, so we need to be getting as many views as possible. So we assumed that like an R34 GTR mm -hmm. worth a half million dollars or a beautiful RX-7 would get bulk views. They don't because we're up against thousands of other videos that already exist. Yeah. Then you get cars like the Toyota Velfire slash Alphard, which we nearly didn't film because we were like, no, well, it's not a very exciting yeah. car. Yeah. And it ends up being one of our biggest videos. Mm. What we're finding with the channel, it's the unique cars that don't have a lot of videos about them that get the big yeah. views. So as far as cars that we'd like to feature, what I would personally like to feature and experience mm. probably wouldn't make for good YouTube growth. And another thing too, you being a typical car person, it's not always the cars you would think that are your, are your unicorn cars. Like I know mm. you've always wanted to do a Honda NSX. Oh my God, yeah. You know, and even the car like the GTR, when you did that, you were, it's kind of underwhelming really. Cause yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't so, maybe But quite amazing, often yeah. real car people, the cars they really love aren't the, aren't really a unicorn car. You no. know what I mean? They can be just a weird variant of a car that was never fast or yeah. had a weird particular color interior that was, you know, limited numbers. Some of those are the unicorn cars that you would never expect. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, yeah I, and if, if we're talking personally, the cars that I, I, we'd love to have on, NSX is number one mm. for me. Mm. A Type R NSX even more. Um, a, a Series 1 Lotus Elise would be up there. Yeah. I adore them. Mm. Um, 
but then like, like I'd love a Y62 Patrol on there because we haven't had one and I feel yeah. like we need to have one yeah. but we're just struggling to find the right example. Yeah. Um, are there any that you would love to? Oh, one of my all-time favourites would be like RS500, the Sierra Cosworth. Yep. You know, that's always been a... And recently we talked about the, the Escort Cosworth oh, as well. Yeah. Even, like, some, that's a unicorn one. car. Yep. But they're not... By today's standards, they're not quick. No, I reckon no, no. a stand on a track probably wouldn't be as quick as a GIRS. In fact, I'm reasonably no, confident. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, that's a unicorn car for me. You yeah. Know, in, just on that, mm. I was at a racetrack this week and there was a guy in a 996 Carrera hammering around and like with a proper driver, like mm. Carrera Cup driver, yep. um, doing some driver training. And he was getting, I think, a 10645 and like into the thing, like mm. it's moving around mm -hmm. and like he's knows what he's doing. Mm. They also at that track have Mazda 2s as their kind of driver training cars. Oh, is this the, yeah, track day? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the Mazda 2 lap mm. record was a 104. <laughs> so a Mazda 2 with proper tires on yeah, it is two great. seconds faster yeah, 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 than yeah. a 996 yeah. with performance road yeah. tires and a Carrera Cup yeah, driver driving behind it. the wheel. Yeah. Um, just to give you an idea of how far cars have come in performance. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, yeah I, back to the, the dream cars. There are so many. There are so many. Oh, Launch a Delta Integrale I'd love mm. on there, but I don't know if anyone's going to watch it. The, the cars that I personally would love, love to have featured, yeah. I don't think we'll get many views. And not many people would care for them. No. Next question. If you had to choose a car to drive from Sydney to Perth and your life depended on it getting there without a mechanical or electrical failure, what would you choose? I would go an FJ Cruiser. Oh, okay. So you're towing a trailer full of fuel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, yeah, look, I would probably also choose a Toyota. Okay, how about a hybrid Kluger? Yeah. But, you know, if you it's not going off-road, is it? Let's I don't Perth, think so. East to Western Australia, it's all proper roads now, isn't if you, it? Okay, if you're going Sydney to Perth on roads, probably yeah. Kluger, yeah, hybrid yeah, Kluger. Yeah. If there's dirt roads involved, you might want to go something a little more off-roady. Yeah. yeah, and if it, yeah. I'd, um, probably, I'd probably go a hybrid Camry if there was roads all the way. Yeah, wow. Okay. Just effortless, Super completely comfy. effortless, quiet. Yeah, yeah. Such a boring car, but extremely likely to get you there without yeah. incident. Yeah, it's pretty hard to go past the Toyota. So, like, yeah. I'll tell you what, that Lexus NX that we had. Oh, yeah, that's another good one. <sighs> what a That'd great be... car. That was amazing. Yeah. Another question, are cars going back to pre-COVID prices? Yeah, I think a lot will. I think a lot won't. Like yeah. the collectible Japanese stuff, no, that's that's going to just hover in the crazy price area. It's for certainly not going to go up anymore. I think I think it's yeah. plateaued really. Not for a while. Yeah. Everyone's kind of aware of it. Everyone knows yeah. that it's stupid. You yeah. know. Yeah, I agree. Oh, here's one for you. As someone who isn't interested in cars, how can we know if we are getting a good deal at the mechanic for a general service and small repairs? Hmm. Um, there's a bunch of tells. Um, Communication is really important. If if you're not if you don't know what they're doing to your car, if you if, if they're not telling you mm. until you know it's completely done, that's wrong. But they should yeah. be telling you along the way. Um, that's in, in, communication is key. You know you should be some of, a bit of an idea of the prices before you really go into it. That's always helpful. Um, if there's any sort of if they're hiding anything, or I'm not happy to explain anything to you. That's probably not probably not the best yeah. deal you're going to get. Um, yeah, it's. It's, it's, I think that's the, probably the, the two big key factors. Sure. I'm not going to say price because there's different price points for different cars and all workshops are different in different areas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, communication is key. Yeah, cool. 100%. Awesome. Final question. When do you think the Japanese car industry will finally get their shit together with EVs? I think they have got their shit together. Yeah. I think they're doing it probably better than anyone else. Mm. I think the fact that they're being uh conservative with diving in head first and mm. we're going to go full ev mm. yeah i think that's that's not going to be the case toyota have come out recently saying Does that doesn't even they, mean they should together i mean there's a lot of virtue signaling signaling ev zealots out there that think all cars should be evs right now mm. is that what is that they're saying because they're still the world's biggest car manufacturer that they haven't got their ev shit together well yeah i just i <laughs> Would I they think, sell more cars if they... Well, Toyota, Toyota have said that they think at most it's going to be 30% of the market will yeah. be full EV, mm. which I think that sounds about right. I've lived with an EV uh, and it was a complete nightmare. Mm. Honestly, like we just don't have the infrastructure here in Australia yet. And, and Don't get us wrong. We both agree EVs are great. Oh, there's fantastic. a time and a place for them. Yeah. The problem I have with EVs, the car itself is excellent. Mm. Like I love the driving experience. Yeah. And I think... In, in a bubble, it makes total sense, mm. but it's not. we're not living in a bubble. Yeah. When you take into account 
the environmental impact that happens when you make them, let alone the infrastructure you have to make. Yeah. That's a huge amount of stuff you've got to dig out of yeah. the earth when you take into account the weight of the car and the consumables yeah. like tyres and yeah. how many tyres are going to go through That's because right. the car's if, if you're factoring all that thing, all that in, as you said, I think Toyota have got their shit together. I completely I know, They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. I, and I just, or even with the infrastructure thing, I had a situation where I went to five charges, mm. four of them didn't work, mm, and one, of them, one mm. of them didn't even exist. It was a construction site, <laughs> and that was in Canberra, mm. a place where you'd think they'd yeah, have their charging order. infrastructure sorted yeah. out. Mm. So I, I don't think, I don't think, going, oh, the world's going to be so much better with EVs. I know. Again, we're going to be doing so much more on the EV thing yeah. as we get. It's probably our most commonly asked question is around EVs. Mm. We're not qualified to make big. Statement chip is we're not qualified yeah, to yeah. do so, but we are talking to people that are qualified, mm -hmm. that have industry knowledge, um, and even people that aren't in the car industry, but are more in the science industry. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, again, watch this space for EVs. I personally wouldn't be diving in God, no. just yet. Um, again, if you want to do something good for the environment, buy a used hybrid. The yeah, car already definitely. exists. Yeah, It's recycling. Mm. You don't need to dig more precious materials out of the ground because the car already yeah, exists. Exactly right. Well, I think that's it for episode one of the Redriven There's Podcast. so much more to talk about, though. Oh, so much more. If anyone has any questions and anything else you'd like to know, please let us know and we'll yeah. try to get to it. And we'll see you eventually at some point for episode two. Not sure when that's going to be, but we'll get there one yeah, day. A month or so. A month or so, mm. yeah. Um, we'll talk to you guys soon. Ciao.